The power of the internet brings us back together together yet once again, people. How are you? It is EC Radio. We are live on all Disruption Network social media platforms. You can follow us along on Twitch, Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, and of course, over on YouTube. Before we get into anything, much love to my sponsors. Shout out to Eddie Alzheimer and his crew at EJA Moving Services, the professional movers. When it's time to move and relocate, hit up Eddie today at 315-335-0516 or hit him up at EJA Moving. They'll move you pretty much wherever you need to go. So just hit him up and he'll bring you there. He's a logistics guy. He'll move anything. And I mean anything. So if you got like a Bowflex or a studio or a big old couch or a grand piano, Eddie and his crew will move it for you. 315-335-0516. Also, shout out to my attorney, Dave Longaretta, who's been keeping me out of trouble since like 1997. <laughs> big ups to Dave and his crew over there. Give him a call today if you need legal advice. 315-735-6162. Big up to my friends over at Utica Coffee. Today we're drinking a mix of things. I've got a, a combination of like Utica Buzz, the house blend, and that Costa Rica that I love so much. And let me tell you, I like when I mix it up a little bit. What are you thinking, Justin? You know, I, I agree, and I think that you should call uh, Frank up on the phone and be like, I came up with a new blend, and I think you should name it the Disruption Blend. Oh, yeah, I love it. You know I love what I'm it. Saying, right? Put a little label on yep, it. Exactly. I love it. We'll do our local music Monday blend, I think. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> love so, it. so I can put that beautiful faccia of yours on the, on the cover of <laughs> oh, it. Oh, God, <laughs> no, you don't want my face on there. <laughs> also, so much love to my friends over at the Saranac Brewery. Give them a shout today, too. You can go over to their brewery and check out all the awesome beer that they have. They've got some cool merchandise as well, saranac.com. And uh, we're missing the brewery right now this year. Yeah. Wasn't it a shame not it to have Saranac Thursday? Uh, yeah, and you know what I just found out, too, that they're brewing that, that new long drink that came out. Have you heard about that? No. It's uh, um, it's the, like the national drink of Finland. And it came out after they had the World's Fair or, like, one of the Winter Olympic Games or something like that. And they it, they needed something quick. And so they did, like, it almost tastes like an alcoholic fresca. It's like a grapefruit, like, Ooh. you know. But it's it's made with gin. And they're actually making it over at the brewery. And the guys that work there say it's the most incredible smell when they're brewing it because it's, it, like, all the juniper berries and everything going up. And it's, like, absolutely incredible. So, oh, I got to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it's definitely very cool. Nice, man. They, it had is. A, they had another news story that just came out. They're starting to brew Schaefer beer. Yes. Did really? You see that? It's yeah. No. Utica Club Brewery. Yep. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. <laughs> yep. See, you didn't join in with me, man. You're I, me I, don't, I don't know that one, to believe oh, it or not. Oh, my God. It's, a, it's, it's an old jingle. Oh, a classic. A classic. Schaefer beer. Yeah, Speaking I've, of I've classic, you're a classic, Jerry Krause. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yes, you are, my friend. It's great to see you. It is Local Music Monday. Today, we're talking local music. And today, we're digging into the archives, Justin. Yes, we are. And, and Jerry brought some... You brought some props with you, if you brought will. Brought some yeah. music, brought some photos, just to kind of set the stage here, set the mood. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing we should have came here like an hour and a half ago just so we could like just look at this dig stuff, in. like really dig yeah. in and talk about it before we came on, because I think this is going to be another two or three-parter. That's fine. Which I'm, I'm totally fine with. That's fine. I hope you're okay with that. I'm okay, but I have a stipulation. We got it golf either before or after I, i'm, I'm I know, done with that i know i'm sorry been talking about this. i know forever so this yep. is now at least it's step one okay we're yes. together <laughs> we're together we made it together <laughs> we did too I, and i did call him i'm like come on jerry wants to golf with us yeah. man the, the schedule's been a little it's good to get back to like a normal routine finally a little yes. bit i mean i'm not back to full swing by any right. means but i mean just a little bit sense of normalcy has been feeling yeah. pretty good i mean you've been gigging right i've been gigging like crazy after uh, this week it's going to start slowing down again a bit but uh you know, there was one point that I, I did two or three weeks, like four or five gigs in a row. So it was like, 
Like well, I was right back to the outside. Yeah, most of them are outside. I do do I do a couple of uh, indoor gigs like uh, Brian down at Fortello's um, in Frankfurt. He Mondays, has live music yeah. every night of the week. Wow! And uh, except for Sundays. And, um, that's, but that's he does cool. live music every night of the week and, uh, he's got a single or a duo act and like the trio's playing there this Friday. So, I mean, it's, you know, he's doing a lot there, but he practices all the social distancing The you know, uh, the SLAs come in there and they've looked the place over and said, you're doing a great job. And, you know, good, so good. he's following everything the way he should, you know, which is, it works out for us. Cause I mean, we got a gig once a month, nice. you know, so, but, uh, yeah, we got, we, we have to golf. And, uh, if Lenny Milano would stop working me till I pass out. Then I'll be able to golf. Bring him along. I know. He could play. Oh, yeah, he can. He could play. Yep. For My sure. old high school buddy and Timmy Bowler, too, who we were yeah. talking about a little while ago. You went to high school with, with Milano? Yeah. Did you? Wow. Whitesboro Warriors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did he have the same hairdo going back then, too? Yeah. He did? <laughs> he looks the same. He looks exactly yeah. the same. I mean, the guy, I mean, he's got the fountain of youth going on. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's another one we need to get on for Local Music Monday. Oh, well, you should. I, I already told him. I talked to him today because I worked with him today, and he said, uh, he goes, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So uh, I yeah. got you know. I, obviously, I don't have a lot of time now. I you know once I get some of these projects done, you know, that I'll have to come down. Is he still in the studio? Not the one that he used to be in, but you know the the different one there. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's there. I, I I told him. I go. I go, Lenny. I go with the amount of stories you tell. We're gonna have to do like six parts or like eight hours <laughs> worth of film footage. It's gonna be crazy. Oh man, that would be a great episode. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. And we were talking about doing a couple episodes. We had to do one with Bob Aquaviva. Oh, yeah, of course. And, and it, this is a good way to actually kick off this local music Monday. Uh, talking about Bob, who is a local legend in our yeah. eyes. Now, Jerry, we talked with Bob about having a local music hall of fame. And I think Bob would go on the first ballot. But off the top of your head, can you think of some oh, nominees you'd put into well, the first ballot? putting me on the spot here. Yeah. Uh, first, ballot, first ballot would be huge. The what's, first class would be huge. What's the range? Just central New York? Or what? I, I, keep it Utica. Keep it Utica. Yeah, because Syracuse yeah. already has Syracuse a Hall of Fame. Syracuse has got the Sammies and yeah. all that stuff. And Utica doesn't have anything like wow, that. It's very hard for us to get a. We're just looking there. at some some of the early guys that we put on some of the albums and the CDs I brought in. Oh my gosh, there's just the local guys. Well, you know, you got Monk Rowe, Carmen Carmonica. You know, like the 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 legends, the guys that have been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lenny would be certainly considered. Yeah, he started oh, yeah. gigging How in about 72. The Sistai Boys, they've been playing mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, Paul Case would come in to play there. Uh, there's just so yeah. many. You know, I'm starting to think of more, a little bit more globally with yeah. you know, the Todd Hobins and the guys from Alex Starr, but those were Syracuse guys too, yeah. and the 805s and some of that stuff. But around here, we had a ton of local guys mm-hmm. and girls that did such a great job with music. I mean, the clubs. The activity back, you could probably Google some of the old entertainment sections of the OD. There was great entertainment, even from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, right through. And some of those musicians were just so good at their craft. You know, Carmen Carmonica will tell you about how he went out with who? Lou Rawls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's others from this area that have gone out to greater things. Maybe that would be a good place to start. You know, where are they now? Right, right. I think I think uh, you know for my my you know take on the Hall of Fame is I think that there's a lot of guys that played in different bands. So I think instead of I mean maybe you could do like a lifetime 
you know, a lifetime achievement award for like single guys, but like you'd have to do like a Hall of Fame class with the bands, or you know, like a yeah. if the guy only played as a solo artist, and yeah, but yeah. like, but like, there's so many bands. I mean, like we were just talking about how many bands Lenny played in on that CD. Like you can look through the CD, there's like 15 bands, and Lenny's the drummer on yeah. all of them, and it's yeah. like you know, but you know, so I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely put. You know, Lenny in that class and Paul Angerosa, the Frogs. Paul Angerosa, the Frogs. Yep. Yeah, Brian Mark Antonio. You got the duo of Holmes and Mancini. Oh, God, yeah. Danny Holmes and Rich Mancini. They mm-hmm. were so busy playing all the clubs. They played weddings. They were doing, you know, just gigs all over the place. Yeah. And we had them in a reunion at the Stanley a few years ago. And it was so great to hear them back together again. I miss that gig. I was so mad. With Plastic Soul, right? Isn't yep. that the gig with Plastic Soul? So you had John Liebing and Mark Barnes and John Smales doing... The three-piece Plastic Soul Beatles tribute, mm-hmm. which I remember over at the Electric Company coming in and getting up on stage and introducing one or two of their sets when we did a radio night with them over there. We yeah. just had a blast. Mm-hmm. It was a fundraiser for some charity, and we had a blast. Was, was it Cancer it? Society? Could be. Yeah, they did that, uh, did that whole thing where uh, Joe, Joey Triz did the... Um uh, did like he did like a little interview with him in the back? It was yep. that concert what? series, for concert life. series yep. for life. That's yep. what it was. It was yep. for the cancer society. But that was over at your club. I remember that. Yeah. That was yep. great. Was there a local band when you first came up on the scene that you were obsessed with? I don't know about obsessed. I'd go. Definitely, that you would frequent a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, when I was growing up, I mean, we'd go to Four Acres. And we'd see not only the big bands, you know, they would bring in like the regional bands coming through, but the local bands. Uh, Kid, my buddy Greg Draze's band, uh, KIDD, you know, they did with Doug Lazarek and Tommy uh, Gadara and uh, Jerry Ruddy on drums. Oh my God, it was a four piece band. Bad Company, BTO, mm. Kiss, you know, just all the power rock stuff. It was great. And we'd see them at Four Acres and they'd play clubs all over the place. Yeah. Uh, they were cool. But then, of course, when you heard, you know, that Todd Hoban was coming through and Alex Starr and New York Flyers and some of those guys coming through, we'd go up there and check them out. The Frogs. Uh, it was always a great show to see the Frogs, Four Acres, the Oasis up in Westmoreland. And then when I got into radio and I got back down uh, into town to, start interviewing some of these big bands and introducing them on stage. The first one I introduced, I mean, who knew that this kid, Johnny Cougar, was going to be a superstar, right? right? I go to Four Acres, they say, uh, you know, from the radio station, this will be your gig, go and introduce them for the radio part of the broadcast and the recording. I'm like, okay. You know, I've heard the other ones that the guys were doing at the radio station. I said, yeah, I'll pop in and I'll go up on stage and do that. So you talk to them ahead of time. There was a local band probably opening up, I forget who. And you talk to John and his tour manager, whoever, saying, you know, okay, uh, how do you want to be introduced? You know, uh, Reva Records recording artist, before he actually signed with his, or that or that label got swallowed up by the next big label, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, you know, Johnny Cougar. Later on in the show, he's introducing his band. He says, hey, I'm Johnny Cougar, and this is my band, The Zone. So... Who knew, right? So it was John Cougar in the zone. But he hated that name. He hated Johnny Cougar, didn't like it. And then eventually, you know, he switched to John Cougar Mellencamp. And then the Cougar was gone. He was just John Mellencamp. And we had him at the Stanley a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And I got him a CD recording of that show from Four Acres. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And I had the manager. The manager was going to bring it to him because we, we didn't get a chance to see John. John came right off the bus, came out on the stage, didn't even do the rehearsal, I don't think. Uh, and everything oh. was right through the back door with security, mm-hmm. did the show. And they told us, 
after he's done, he's not coming back for an encore. He's going right back to his tour bus. Mm-hmm. And he had a small little bus that he he had, and the other guys were in the uh, the bigger buses. And that was quite the show, sold out. It was a great show. I mean, I thought it was one of the highlights of my era at the Stanley for six years was that John Mellencamp show. Oh, mm-hmm. You've had a few over there. Yeah, oh, there's sure. been, there been some sure. good ones. I mean, uh, the REO show was big. Mm-hmm. Michael McDonald was big. Thank America you for that, by the way. Big. Yeah, you guys opened up. Just me. You opened up, but yeah, you, you Sean and, and I Sexy opened, opened up, up for, who? for uh, the Eagles tribute band. Oh, the Eagles tribute mm-hmm. band. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but I got to, I got to open up to, uh, for Ario Speedwagon by myself. I got to eat. Oh, I got to eat right. dinner with all them. That's right. And I was, weren't they the greatest guys? They were awesome. And I got I was scared to death of pacing because I'm I'm getting ready to go on. I got to play 20 minutes of my own music, which I, you know they hate us to Ario, not me. And I'm just like I was so nervous. And Kevin Cronin uh, from Ario, he sees me pacing. He goes, "Hey, man." I go, hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and uh, and I had already talked to him, so I wasn't like, <gasps> you know. But uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm just a little nervous, just you know, trying to walk it out. And he's like, let me tell you, he goes, uh, uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming and open up for us. He says we like to give the local, you know, talent uh, a chance to open for us wherever we go. He said, and the reason behind that was uh, when I was a young kid and I was coming up in the business. Uh, uh, a guy by the name of Glenn Fry gave me that same opportunity, wow. which I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, just uh, it's the stories these guys. I got like a rig rundown. You ever see the rig rundowns of these guys' rigs, like the guitar rigs and stuff? Uh, Premier Guitar does them, but uh, they literally go back and 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 the guitarist from Ario had like the old style, like like racks full of amps and like effects. All in the racks like that. The the guitar tech had a had a rug at the bottom that said "Go away," and like you know, like it was just it was like so like. And he took me right through his whole rig, and showed me where everything, how everything worked, how everything was routed, and I was just like, "This can't even be real." Like it's not even real. Um, but that that particular gig, um, I don't know if you were in you were backstage to see this uh, this part, but uh, you know, th- nobody was drinking. You know, they didn't, obviously they're all you know not sober, but they don't you know they don't drink and party hard like they used to. So, right. you know, I uh, I go out and watch most of the show, and and I I knew that the second to last song that I wanted to see him come off stage. You know, so I told my wife, I said I'm going to go backstage. So backstage I go, and this guy, their stage manager, is is like running to get like this road case and brings it out and like sets it in the middle of this of side stage, right? And I'm like, okay, that's weird, and like they're playing. And he goes over, and out of the cooler, he pulls one Bud Light, and he's got solo cups, and he lines the solo cups up around this road case and literally pours this much beer <laughs> in each of the solo cups, right? Now, they got an encore to do after they come off. So all of a sudden, they're coming off, they're running, they're like, yeah, 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 running. They hit that side stage where nobody could see them anymore, and they're like, like just like <laughs> like crippled old men, and they're just like, oh, my God. And they, they couldn't get to the beer fast enough. They grabbed the beer, and they're like... Shots of beer. Yeah, and they're just, they're like this. They're like, okay, you guys ready, ready? And they, they like hit the side stage where people could see them again. And they're like, hey. And I'm just, I was dying. I'm like, that's so crazy. You know I mean? I mean, they leave it all on the floor every that's time they play. That's one of the bands. So. Uh, Sticks was another band like this. Mm. They came out, and it was like you're watching them from 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah right. Um, REO yep. actually played at Mohawk Valley Community College in the gym when I was still in high school. Oh, cool. The second album was out, and nobody knew them. But we had listened to them, so you know mm-hmm. we had our gang. We went over and watched them. So uh, when they came to the Stanley, and I had to pick them up, I also I had some memories of that to bounce off them, and I also had a fold out poster that we gave away in Syracuse when they played the auditorium out in Syracuse, you know, way back, and uh, we had some pictures from the Utica odd where they played with Richard Marks. So when they get in the car, I had to go down to uh, now the Delta, the Radisson, pick mm-hmm. them up, and just bring them up uh, to the Stanley. 
uh, the mayor gave them proclamation in the lobby. So I, I ran them back and forth. And when I got in, I said, wow, you guys got a lot of history in this area. Let me let me refresh your memories. And I mm-hmm. talked about the uh, MVCC show, the Stanley show with the fold-out poster. I had one of the posters. Oh, wow. And I got a picture of them backstage opening up the poster, and I'm in the background with the guys in the band. You know, it's a walk down memory lane for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they go from town to town to town, and I'm sure they wake up on the tour bus saying, where are we again? You know, yeah. What day is it? So to bring them kind of back into grounding them into this area, I really wanted to make sure that they knew Central New York had a history with them, and sure. they had a ton of fans here. Mm-hmm. And it was you know a sold-out night and a great night, and they're all happy, happy guys. Yeah, absolutely. You said that they they you probably they probably didn't know where they were getting off the tour bus and everything. On, on one of their set lists, they they had used the same set list that they had the night before, so it had the, the night before city on it, and it's literally crossed out in a sharpie and it big <laughs> letters. The guy in his own handwriting, "You're in Utica, stupid." Like <laughs> yeah. that, you know. You know what Say, like hey, the, hello, Harrisburg. Yeah, exactly. So, like, literally, like, po- like on the set list, he hand wrote it out. You know that he was that he was in Utica, and I thought that was neat. But <laughs> hilarious! I'll tell you, Jerry was the king of hospitality when it came to the Stanley. Oh yeah. So this one time, he tells me, he goes, "Hey, I want you to go pick up the guys from America at the airport." Oh yeah. And he let me use his car, <laughs> and not only that, but he he had all these treats lined up for him. Oh, he yeah. like had a cooler full of beer and soda from Saranac and a tomato yep. pie and just like all these snacks like and i go and i think it was just the one guy it was dewey and uh i go i pick him up and i got the sign and he comes over i'm your guy he gets back into the car and he's got all these treats he's like nobody ever has treats yeah. for us uh, anything like this and we sure. got talking all the way back and come to find out he's umphreys mcgee fans i'm like oh cool. you know so we get talking about the umphreys and stuff i mean he was just such a cool guy yeah and jerry set the tone of that whole conversation just by having treats Sure. And, and, and showing stuff. that he's appreciated. Yeah, yeah it's all Utica Absolutely. stuff for him. So that day of the concert, I'm in the box office with Steve, and we're getting ready for the show. The show's that night, so we're just getting all set up, you know, getting the reports ready for the tickets. And we're all psyched. And all of a sudden, in the vestibule coming in the main doors, I see a guy just walk in looking around. And you know how beautiful it is to look around in mm-hmm. the entryway for the Stanley. Sure. And I'm looking at the guy, I said, to Steve, I said, that's one of the guys from America. <laughs> So I walked around the corner out, out of the box office. I introduced myself, and sure enough, it was Jerry Beckley. Mm-hmm. And I said, excuse me, are you uh, one of the guys in America playing here tonight? He goes, I am. I said, well, and I introduced myself. I said, let me show you around. He said, we love these theaters that you wouldn't believe we just get such a kick out of taking pictures and chronicling where we go across America, these beautiful theaters. Thank God there's theaters like this still left. Mm -hmm. And he was taking pictures and walking around and he said, we walk up and down usually when we get to towns just to get a feel for the architecture and stuff. He goes, you guys got some beautiful architecture here in Utica. And they were just walking around downtown area. And when they played the show that night, and of course you know how it is. We're running around doing this, that, and the other thing. I sat down in the audience for for just a you know a few of the songs. I wanted to catch some of the songs, and he came out and they marveled at again looking around the theater and they said, you know, you, you people are lucky. Not every city has a theater like the Stanley Theater. You guys here, and he looked at the other guy and he said, you know, I think this is 
the most beautiful theater we've ever played in. <laughs> I'm looking around and saying, I hope somebody recorded that. I know. Right? <laughs> you get that a lot, too, with yeah. these traveling artists coming through. Right, like, right. This place is amazing. Tony Bennett, you know, he had a lot of nice things to say about it. He actually sang a song without a microphone just to prove to the audience that the acoustics were built for sound to carry throughout the whole theater. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you sat, you could hear the performers on stage. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. If anybody knows, Tony Bennett would know. He left his heart in Utica, New York. <laughs> <laughs> you know, earlier you mentioned Four Acres, and yeah. like that's such a legendary place. A oh, year yeah. of, you know, my mom talks about it, my uncles, like relatives talk about what a legendary place it was. What were some of the acts they came through? Because there was just so many that came through that have gone on to do huge things that played right here in our backyard. It's is that considered Marcy or Deerfield or it's it? uh, River Road in Marcy. It is. Marcy, it's now yeah. a uh, dance, dance studio. studio. Right, yeah. right. But uh, Eddie Money played there, first album. Uh, John Cougar, as I mentioned. He made a list. I love Elvis it. Costello. I had to do a little homework because uh-huh. I got a few other things we're going to talk about uh-huh. here. Head East played there. Wow. Oh, cool. uh, Benny Mardonis <laughs> played there, first album, Thank God for Girls. And there was a band called Blackjack that played there. And music aficionados may remember Blackjack because they had a couple of guys that later went on. Michael Bolotin, with the extra O in there, was Michael Bolton, was singing in that band. He was a rock singer. Oh, wow. He actually had some solo uh, Michael Bolton rock albums before he went ballads. Wow. And Bruce Kulick was the guitar player in that band, later went on to play with Kiss. And he would return to Utica after the Four Acres show with Blackjack to play guitar for The Good Rats <laughs> at Hot Rocks, wow. which is where Captain Tripps eventually... <clears throat> became on uh, Genesee Street in South Utica. Huh. And he remembered the show. I said, hey, uh, Bruce, you were here a few years ago at a club called Four Acres with uh, Blackjack. He went over, picked up his guitar in the rehearsal draped area and started playing one of the Blackjack songs. He wow. said, I remember when we came off the three-way for this gig, he said, I know I've been here before. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about the clubbing back in the day. So we're talking about, we've mentioned, you know, mostly a lot of 70s, 80s. The drinking age being changed had a lot to do with the crowds coming out. And I I didn't know offhand myself with the facts at the, at the top of my mind, when did the drinking age change? So it happened in 1982. It went from 18 years old to drink to 19. And then in 1985, it switched from 19 to 21. So that cut down on a lot of the crowds going into some of the bars. Uh, of course, in Utica, you had Milo's down in the Valley, mm-hmm. Rustic Inn, Palmer yep. House. We did a lot of stuff there. Also down in the Valley, The Loft in Middleville. Oh, yeah. The story about them is the police Please. played there. And they made a reference to it in Rolling Stone magazine a few months later saying it was a snowy night. There weren't many people there. It was a Monday night. And they played the loft in Middleville. And they said more people were congregated around the bar watching the football as opposed to watching them on stage. Wow. I want to say that was a Chuck Cheo show because he was the very first promoter to bring the police into the area. They did a Syracuse show, I think a place called the Fire Barn Tavern in mm-hmm. Syracuse as well. So this was one of the stops. It could very well yeah, have been Chuck. that was their first tour over here, yeah. yeah. And there was another valley place, the Cast Bridge Inn. Oh, yeah. Remember yep. that? Yes, I do. We used yeah. to go with some of the Utica Comets hockey guys. They'd say, Doc, because I'd have them up for interviews. They're like, Doc, you know, where's, the, where's the live bands? What's going on? So I'd take them out there. After a game, we'd go out there to see like the Pink Floyd tribute band and stuff. And these guys were getting into it. It was great. Yeah. You know? Again, they're down-to-earth guys, but mm-hmm. just playing hockey for uh, the Utica Comets at the time. 
or the Utica Devils. Excuse Utica me. Devils, yeah. Did I say comment? I meant the Utica Devils back in that era. So we'd all go up Casper uh, you know, Gin and go rock out with some of the bands. Mm-hmm. Of course, in Utica, you had the Devereaux, always music at the Devereaux and Captain Trips. Uh, out in Rome, Coleman's in Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm Coleman, and we had so many big bands out there. Stevie Ray Vaughan played out there. Wow. Zebra, Molly Hatchet, Pat Travers, Mark Farner from Grand Funk, uh, Casa Bogey in Rome. Another oh, big, Casa Bogey, Another yep. big place we did bands like uh, Johnny Van Zant played there. Mm. You know, later went on to be the lead man in Skinnerd. Uh, the Henry Paul Band, Greg Kinn, uh, Tommy Two-Tone, and you remember that one-hit wonder, mm-hmm. Jenny Jenny. And the Winters Brothers, a... Southern band, not to be confused with Edgar and Johnny Winters, the Winters Brothers band, and they, they played there, and there was always a big uh, crowd pleaser out there. Uh, Captain Tripp's Blue Oyster Cult with uh, Al Schneer jumped up and played a song or two wow, with them. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Uh, 38 Special at Captain Tripp's, Rick Emmett from Triumph, and I'm sure you got a million others to add to Captain Tripp's. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. So many. Yeah, uh, the, the legendary. In fact, you bring up Captain Tripp. Today is uh, his birthday. Vinny's birthday. Vinny. So he's been uh, gone for four years. Four years now. It's already Man. four years, but uh, we definitely miss him. And he was a absolute staple in the music community. Yeah. So yeah, that place was absolutely legendary. Now, I'm glad you made that list. Thank I you. Got, I got a list of Utica Odd shows, Stanley shows, and if you want to refer I, to some. Yeah, of them. I, I I grew up in the wrong decade. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, in the '90s too, you had the, what we used to call the Route Five tour. Yeah. And if you remember, it was like Looney Tunes and the Blue Mule and uh, nothing fancy in the Garden Cafe. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of the bands like you mentioned before yes. we went on air, like Floating Noah, Rattle Page was still Rattle, Rattle Basket, Basket, Nine Ball. Austin, yeah. Yeah. They were all up and down uh, on the Route 5 yeah. tour. And then yeah. I don't know what happened. Like, it, it kind of, I think maybe the drinking thing, yeah. people stopped going out so much or maybe stopped taking that route and maybe kind of hung out yeah. in the city. They started to lose uh, clubs. I started in 94 with Jose and Joe, and the clubs had started to close. We actually played a, a bar on Route 5 called the Sunrise Lounge in Skyler. Oh, yeah. Um, remember you, remember, you remember that? Yeah. And uh, we opened up for a band called Silver City. And uh, had a trumpet player and everything, and they kind of took us under their wing, and they bring us where they played to let us open up for. And it was always nice to see, because uh, I mean, you, you could smoke inside too. So if you could see to the bar ever, it was usually because we were opening up, and not I mean, people were there. So they'd see these three kids walk up at the stage, and they're like, "Oh, here we go!" Like this, you just see them just put their heads <laughs> in their hands like this, and then you know we open up and we play like fifties and sixties music, and all of a sudden the people just jump out of yeah. there. You know, there'd be like nice. five, six people dancing because you know was, we were opening up. But uh, that, yeah, we we play there. We play McGill's. Um, we actually did a couple gigs with Rattle Basket at McGill's, and uh, you know, kind of kind of got the tail end of the of the early nineties. You know the good the good acts from the early nineties. I never got to see Nine Ball. Uh, Toast was still around. You remember Toast? Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, they were still around. But uh, yeah, McGill's had music what Wednesday through Saturday. Oh yeah, right? they had music all the time. Yep. And if there wasn't live music, there was a DJ usually yep. always. But uh, it's Phil- so funny driving by that place and seeing a Dollar General there now. It is yeah. funny. I swear, any building that gets torn down in the area gets replaced by a Dollar General, guaranteed. <laughs> Our pizzeria, right? Yeah, but Mark yeah. Randy did a lot for local music. We used to do he did. big Super Bowl <laughs> parties up there, too, at the yep. radio station. How about field days back in the day? Oh, when yeah. When it comes to mind, I, I'm thinking of Stittville field days. Legendary for big bands, big production. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Benny out there, Benny Mardonis, mm-hmm. uh, Flyers. They had a band... Uh, Ice Water Mansion. Oh, yeah. Remember them? Yeah, I do. Big production. Yep. Uh, wow. Great uh, rock band. And 
Stittville was uh, on the map for being rocking with those field days every summer. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. You know, all the acts that you've introduced throughout the years, Radio Land and all that, have you ever, like, got fanboyed out, like you couldn't talk to them or, or just got kind of, like, nervous around? Yeah, I, I'm always, you know, when I'm walking into a place and I'm going to be introducing, like, uh, at the Turning Stone, I used to introduce a lot of their shows and talk about upcoming bands and stuff, but... Uh, I knew in advance going in, you know, who, who it was going to be. But sometimes, you know, just the caliber was like, to me, like, I can't believe it. I right, turned yeah. around and I'm introducing Steve Winwood oh. for the show. And, you know, I'm expecting not to even see him maybe until he walks out. And I walk around the corner backstage and he's got a flannel shirt on and he's tuning a guitar and he's, it's him and it's just me and him. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just say hello and see where I go with this, you yeah. know? And I talked to him, you know, just hello, and really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wasn't interrupting him. I just said, geez, it's a real, real pleasure to get a chance to see you up close and personal and have a chance to introduce you and just listen to your music, uh, you know, uh, w- w- what's coming up for the show tonight. And he had a new album he was working on or something, but it was going to be a lot of old traffic stuff and just yeah. great, just great, but really down to earth. And I think your buddy Steve Lukather was on that tour. Oh, really? Uh, and he, your buddy? And he came <laughs> around the corner. And I talked to him for a, a brief while. Wow. Yeah. So every now and then, you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, when I introduced Kiss at the Utica Odd, you know you know you're going to see Kiss. And I was a fan of Kiss. And like, and here they come. Here's Gene Simmons, like, and all his, you know, out there, in-your-face energy. Like, yeah. So you knew you were going to get that. But, sure. And uh, you walk away from it sometimes saying, wow, did that really just happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But it, it, there's been a lot. Phil <clears throat> Collins uh, backstage at Syracuse uh, War Memorial with Genesis, big wow. show. Oh. The guys from Pink Floyd at the Carrier Dome backstage, you know, I get to talk to them a little bit. One one thing I remember about that is the drummer Nick Mason and David Gilmore used to do off-road car racing. And when I went backstage and I saw them, I figured I'm going to bring that up to kind of take them away from, hey, how's the tour going? Mm-hmm. Hey, where you been on the tour? You know, just something different. I'm like, so how is your off-road car racing going? And they, boom, beamed right up. Yeah. Oh, you know about that. Well, we just look, got done with this, and we're going to be going out here. And you know, So you get into different things like that. Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull at the Utica Odd, I had read an interview that he was a fish farmer, and he liked riding his four-wheelers mm-hmm. uh, and his big farm. So we're talking about music and stuff, and then I said, so I understand you're a big fan of riding your four-wheelers and you have a fish farm. Well, yeah, let me tell you about it. And he starts going off yeah. and getting into it. You could tell they like to yeah, they want to do talk normal about things, yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it, wow. it's, uh, it's something that every now and then I wish, geez, I wish I had a cell phone back then to take these pictures and videos of the interviews wouldn't it be great to have for a scrapbook but i there are a bunch of pictures floating around you know the still pictures from back in the day when you had somebody with the the big camera with the strap around their neck and somebody would take a picture uh but if we had our cell phones like we do now boy it would be great great archives is there any of those artists you maintain a relationship with um not really no no no, not really i used to i used to stay in touch with randy bachman a little bit from bto because they did a bunch of shows here and we got to you know backstage in rochester silver stadium we did a busload out there so we were talking backstage having lunch uh and then they did a show at uh uh, coleman's in rome it was gonna happen but they had a technical problem so he said uh, he came on the air he said 
we have a technical issue over at the club, but I want to inter- invite everybody that want, wanted to come to the show, come to the Landmark Theater. We're doing a show tomorrow in Syracuse. So we all went, and then I got to talk to them again. We took some pictures and just chatted and stuff. And uh, I would go to see them when I could, and he would remember us, you know, yeah. my, my brother and some of our uh friends that would go see him and we're all big bto fans and it was it, that was a fun part of it but some of the bigger guys i knew it would be like just a flash in the pan a shake hands right in and out hello and then introduce them and off they go and off i go mm-hmm. yeah but the guys from america they're real personable and uh i would like to see them again and stop back and say hi and yeah. say hey you remember the stanley theater that most beautiful theater in the yeah. whole wide world yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about uh asking him if he fanboyed out with anybody uh the actual first person i ever fanboyed out on was jerry Krause. oh get out of i'm here. not even kidding you because like Really? I, I, yeah, because and and you probably don't know this, but single-handedly, uh, you're the reason why I listened to classic rock growing up because of the fact that my every single morning, the earliest memory I have is is uh, every morning when I get out of bed, my dad always had um, like the big stereos that they had in the '80s. <laughs> he always had it on. It was always on ninety-six-nine, and it was you you were always on, you know. And uh, so, like all the music he would play <clears throat> and and go, and I I listen all this music and all this music, and I really really got heavy into it from three to to, uh, to five when I started playing guitar. And uh, in those two years, I, w- I just soaked up as much as I could. And uh, fast forward to when I was like 10 or 11, and uh, my parents go, you know, I, we want to take you to see a concert. You know, who do you want to go see? And I said, I want to go see the Eagles. And uh, they're like, the Eagles? They, they broke up like two years before you were born. And uh, my whole world crashed down because here I am thinking I'm waking up every morning listening to this guy introduce bands on the radio and, and I thought it was all new music. I thought it was all brand new music. So all these bands I've listened to don't even exist anymore. I can't go see any of them. And I'm like, oh God. And like, and that's why I ended up hating the 80s so much and I don't anymore, but I, I did at the time because I'm like, this music sucks compared to all that stuff. You know what I mean? But uh, no, the first time that I got to meet you, I kind of fanboyed out a little bit because I was like, you know, I get to meet the doctor and it was like, you know, I, so like you single-handedly, you know, showed me you know, the music that I grew up with. So. Well, it's, I'm humbled to hear that. <laughs> but we had a lot of great interaction with our listeners. And now yeah. you yeah. mentioned like your parents, mm-hmm. then the kids, and then now even the grandkids just listening to the great music. I mean, you can't you, you can't beat it. No. I mean, when you start with the Beatles and the Stones and you work your way through just the Eagles you mentioned, the Zeppelin, the Pink Floyd and this, everything that's spun out from those guys as influences, all the bands that took them as influences and did their own thing. Mm-hmm. It was just a beautiful thing to be in the middle of. Sure. To be in that in the the heyday of of classic rock. I yeah. started on the radio in seventy eight. It wasn't called classic rock back it then. Was, right? It was it rock. was rock. Yeah, it was rock. <laughs> it was rock. And then there was classical rock, right? <laughs> or, or classical music, and then it was classic rock. And uh, the music that we had, uh, we were so lucky. We were so lucky to be in the middle of all that. Yeah. I think sometimes. I mean, you got to remember, we're playing albums vinyl albums you know we're walking in the studio wall full of albums and there wasn't all this uh uh strict requirements you have to do this song and this album and this it was freewheeling man. Mm -hmm. we just got to go in there and take calls we had calls you know calls would come in morning noon night overnight parties on the weekends and Mm -hmm. you know hey man can you play this song it's something special for us this and that and of course you take 
five minutes out and you slipped that song in there for them and you really mm-hmm. made their day. And they had a connection sure. now with the station and the DJ. And music makes the world go round. Yeah. You know, you know. Uh, it's yeah. just like, unbelievable how a music song can take you uh, from a sour mood and make your mood better or just it advance your good mood. You mm-hmm. put on a great song and you're even feeling better. It's sure. just, music has such a a power and uh to think that we have the uh, ability as uh, radio djs and announcers and stuff to kind of channel that sure put that out in the airwaves where people are really digging it you mm-hmm. know, that was that was really part of the fun and all the community stuff we used to do i really used to enjoy everything i used to say we cover it all from a to z from the american heart association to the utica zoo mm-hmm. we did fundraisers food drives clothing mm-hmm. drives we used to do a lot of that and that i really enjoyed doing that you got to meet a lot of nice people in this mm-hmm. area doing a lot of nice work behind the scenes yeah the unsung heroes Absolutely. Yeah. But there are a lot in Utica. Yeah. Very giving community for yeah. sure. Oh, my gosh. When did that term classic rock start to be a thing? <sighs> I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Eagles and how they continued through after, you know, you got your first big wave, Beatles, Stones, Zeppelin, The Who, Pink Floyd. You got a big chunk of that. Then it came, you know, you got some of that. California Southern Fried Rock with Pop Rock Eagles and Allman Brothers and yeah. Marshall Tucker and uh, Charlie Daniels and some of that going in, and then you come out and you got more of the polished uh, the the '80s power rock, the Cinderella and the Dockin and the Aerosmith, you know, really pounding it then and it was great. Yeah. Uh, there's another show at the Utica, Aerosmith and Dockin. Oh God, great one. Cinderella played there. You know, mm-hmm. you get into that era. Rat and Poison yeah. played there, the old Rat Poison tour. Yeah. They played together. Motley Crue played there at the Utica Odd. Utica Odd had a lot of big shows. My very first show was in my mother's womb at the Utica Odd. Uh, it was the Babies and Journey. Oh, wow. that was a great show. Yeah, John that was the tour with the before, Babies. Yeah, the tour before Jonathan Cain, who was in the Babies at the time, was they literally handpicked him right out of the babies and, and had him join the band. Yeah. That was when Greg Raleigh left the next year, yep. and by the next tour, Jonathan Kane was playing with, with Journey. There's a picture backstage, not with uh, the babies, but the guys all from Journey. Uh, a couple of us radio guys are there, and what I remember is they had cartons of chocolate milk on the table. <laughs> where people might think they'd have you know cases of beer. Sure. Chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many great shows at the Odd back then. Shall I? Yeah, go ahead. Please Shall do. I? I did write down a I few love of the them list. From, from, my, from my ticket stash. Uh, Rush. Story about Rush. Rush was supposed to play there with uh, Sue Sad and The Next. A band uh, was coming up, a female singer, Sue Sad. I'm a prisoner. It was a you know kind of a one hit wonder blast, but it was all over the radio. Mm-hmm. They couldn't make it, and at the last minute we had to grab somebody, and uh, we brought in the Fools from Ipswich, Massachusetts. You know, uh, it's a night for beautiful girls, Psycho Chicken. Since <laughs> we brought them in, what year was that? Was that like in Rush's heyday, Moving Pictures? Uh, no. no, maybe a couple years earlier. Yeah. Um, well, I'm mean, guess maybe like eighty one, eighty two, okay. somewhere in there, eighty three. Um, ZZ Top played there. They brought cattle or something, as I remember, on stage in, in crates. Yeah. Like what? Buffalo, oh, yeah. Buffaloes or something up there. <laughs> yeah, I watched a documentary with ZZ Top, and that's like they did all that crazy shit back then. No, no. <clears throat> Doobie Brothers, we had to shut the doors. Utica Fire Marshal said we're at capacity. It was 5,000 or whatever because they had people standing on the floor, sitting in the seats. They actually shut shut the place down. I had to introduce them, and it was Michael McDonald. Uh, and oh, was, yeah, because that was right when uh, Minute by Minute came out, yeah. that album, right? Pat, Which bad. completely changed, that changed the whole the whole thing for the Dewey Brothers. It was a totally different sound for them. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, Bruce Springsteen played there late 70s, I think. Wow. Uh, there was a combo of Allman Brothers and Little Feet together. Oh, uh, wow. Huh. 
just fun stories. We had a band uh, contestants from the radio contest meet the bands, and it was great. Uh, Van Halen opening for Ozzy. I think I remember wow. that one. I imagine that. Van Halen's just coming out. Um, Grateful Dead. Elvis almost played there in 1977. He died three days, I think, before the My grandmother has the tickets still. Yeah. She does. I got a couple at That's home. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, we mentioned the uh, REO, the Cars, Brian Adams, uh, Boston. Boston played twice at the Utica Odd, right when the first album came out. First time, uh, a guy that used to open up a lot of shows, uh, it, it, so so much so we used to ask each other, who's opening up for this show coming up? Uh, Bob Seger? And you're like, probably. And it was Bob Seger. He opened up for everybody because he had like six albums out or four albums out before he hit Night Moves. Yeah. So he would open up for a lot of shows. Um, the other one, Sammy Hagar opened up for Boston. So Bob Seger oh, opened wow. one, Sammy Hagar opened one solo, Sammy. How funny what is it? that? Like, who's opening for this show? Bob Seger yeah. just being all, like, yeah. Yeah. facetious <laughs> about it. Uh, how about Whitesnake? Whitesnake played twice there. One time opening up for Jethro Tull. Wow. And uh, one time they headlined. God, I grew up in the they, wrong decade. They also played with Motley Crue that time, too. Yes. Motley Crue and Whitesnake. And, and David Coverdale brought Tawny Catan. The girl from the White Snake videos, his wife at the time brought her through, and I had a picture when when uh, David Coverdale was in the radio studio when he did the opening set for the Jethro Tull show, which was probably three or four years earlier. And I had it for him. I was going to show it to him, have him sign it. And he said, "Don't show this to Tawny." I'm like, "Why?" He says, "I look about ten years older in that picture." <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay, no problem." Uh, Kiss played the uh, bunch, right? Yeah. Um, Beach Boys, Willie Nelson, Bon Jovi getting the key to the city from oh, wow. then Mayor Lula Pola at the time. <laughs> bon Jovi, before that show, came up to the studio. I think it was a Sunday. Uh, nobody in the studio, nobody in the office. It was clear. And I had a, uh, he was coming over. They were dropping him off at the studio. So I had to meet him at the elevator. Elevator door opens up. It's just me. It's just him on the elevator, and he's got a New York Giants football jacket on. I said, oh, yes, we are going to have some fun talking football. <laughs> and we did. We talked football on the air for a little while. And of course, we talked about music and stuff, but mm-hmm. he, you know, they did the big sold-out show. He's pretty cool. Very cool oh, guy. Yeah. Very cool guy. Uh, and then later, his daughter would come to Hamilton College yeah. for a semester or so. Uh, Alice Cooper played there. They mentioned Willie Nelson, uh, Aerosmith, uh, just a ton, just a ton of bands. Who has the attendance of... record? Is there like an attendance record out of all these shows? Um, well, I know they shut down the doors for Doobie Brothers, but yeah. I mean, they sold out a bunch of shows there, I'm going to guess, but The Dead probably sold out, too. Yeah. yeah. Kiss, too, right? Kiss probably. one time, probably. Have like, the, the, like 10,000 people were squeezed into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody would, you know, they, they would inflate the numbers a here's little a, bit oh, too yeah. much. Okay, here's a Gene Simmons story. So we're backstage talking to him. There's some winners. He's talking. He's got his full, this is before the show, full Kiss gear on, and he's standing there, and this must have been uh, during hockey season because it was a bit chilly. Ice is down underneath the boards. Yeah. So he's standing, and we're off to the side in the walkway, and he's complaining every now and then, oh, it's cold in here, and he's just rubbing his arms and talking to some of our uh, contest winners, and they're taking some pictures. And he's like, oh, boy, I'm going to go back in the dress room and warm up. He And he probably did this all on purpose. He turns around and walks away from us with the buttless chaps. <laughs> <laughs> Walking away from us, you know, just... Just going for the reaction, right? And yeah. like, no wonder you're cold. Yeah, right. Yeah. Put some pants on. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so funny. He's, they were all nuts. Oh, man. Some great memories, though, right there, huh? Do you ever just sit back? Because I know I struggle a little bit with sometimes. Like, you would hear a song that you grew up with. 
and then all of a sudden it's labeled as classic rock. Mm. You know? Yeah. I, I struggle with that a little bit. Like well, all of a sudden I'll hear Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains yeah. or something like that. The first one for me was Nirvana. It smells like Teen Spirit on 96.9. I'm like, why? what is this doing on 96.9? Right. <laughs> this, right. Is, this should not be happening. Well, how about this? You tune into an oldie station oh. and there's some of the good old classic rock. I'm like, that's an oldie? Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. That must mean I'm an oldie. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I think I think disco and punk had a lot to do with classic rock showing up too. You know what I mean? Like, because I think that like the, the good seventies music when it when it was out, you know, like like the tail end when the Eagles were coming in and stuff it was like the end of that period. And then once disco hit, and then punk, and then the eighties, you know, hair band stuff. You know, I think when it like towards the late eighties, like when I first started listening to ninety six nine, is when people started to like wish for that kind of music back like like kind of like how we are now where we you know we're like oh my god what the hell are these kids listening to the ariana right. grandes and like the you know the Nicki minajs and stuff this is crap music why can't they just play good music like they used to you know what i mean and that's like like really and, and the eagles i think were were uh you know glenn fry had a good solo career don henley had a good solo career and they they promoted that music still when they were on tour they still played that that music and that's when it, I mean. If, if, am I right there? Yeah. I mean, it's you remember how it started they, to show back you up. Remember on radio. when some of those songs would show up uh, on like Miami Vice? Yeah, and some of the TV shows it would kind of keep the glory going, the momentum going of some of those guys like right. Glenn Fry, mm-hmm. Phil Collins, Dire Straits. Yeah, or, you know, just there were more than just albums on your turntable. There are now it's music that's in TV, right. and yeah. movies. You know, it's become part of our fabric of our sure. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to go back and talk about some local bands because I know you brought in the Rock of uh, Central what, New York one album, yeah. album one. And now two, how many and volumes did you do? So there was two vinyl albums okay. and then a double CD. Oh, let's do let's do this. Hang on. I, can you can you see with the camera? Yeah, I, okay, I can, right up to can you, hang can on you one see second. This? I'll switch it right over. Okay, go ahead. Can you see it? Yeah. Okay. That uh-huh. was the first one. Now, I, I just now the radio station started in seventy three. I came on in seventy eight. Okay. And that was out I think in seventy nine. So I came came in kind of just as a, a helper to help put that together. Jeff Chard and Tom Starr and Peter Hirsch. Those guys really went out and kind of did the legwork on that. But I probably would have helped them suggest a couple of the bands to pick, which they probably already had on their list. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the very first one. And you want to read who's on there? Yeah, I I'll read uh this is side one. We got Todd Hoban Band, New York Flyers, Out of the Blue, Crack, Tattoo, and the Frogs. That's side one. Side two, we have Alex Starr, Dean Brothers, The Alligators, Axe Handle, 805, and Open End. Legendary bands right Quite there. Quite a wide variety, too, of different styles wow. of music. You got rock music, you got a little bit of country rock, um, acoustic rock, there's a little bit of everything there. Now number two. Now, now I had, this is number two. I had more of a hand in putting this together. If now, what year did this one come? This out? is probably like another year after that, maybe like eighty, eighty-one. If you pull, is that got a sleeve on the inside, Justin? Let me check real quick. Yep. Okay. Look what's in there. Oh wow! So now to again try to make this a piece of Central New York music history, we gathered the photos of the bands. The credits of the bands, too. Uh, who's playing drums, who's singing, who's playing guitar. And I wanted that to actually be a piece that people would hold on to even now in 2020, pulling it out 40 years later and mm-hmm. saying, 
what was this music? Who were these guys? And say, oh, I remember that. So this um, is, so yeah, this so is Rock of Centenary Volume 2. I'll read, the, I'll, yeah. I'll read these off. So you might hear some of the same bands, but they're all different songs that we played. Yeah, side one is Alex Starr, uh, Mr. Ed, which was uh, Monk Rowe and Greeley and all those guys. Yeah. Justice McBride, which is... Uh, the Sistais. They, yeah, the Sistais. They were still around when I started coming in. Uh, Netherlands, which was John Liebing and, and his brother Kim. Yep. Uh, Mossback Mule Band. Uh, and The Works. The Works Syracuse yep. Band. And then side two was the New York Flyers. Uh, John Whitting and the Bandit Band. Uh, Kentucky. Uh, Danny Holmes and Rich Mancini. Uh, Holmes and Mancini. Dust Devil Band and Todd Hobie Band. Nice. Wow. So that was volume two. Again, some of the same bands because they're just, you know, the leaders of the pack. And then in 2007, I said, well, I really got to get uh, a, a real definitive music compilation here. Not one, but two CDs. This is the Rock Good. of Century New York volume three. Yeah. Some of the same bands again. But again, all different songs. We didn't repeat any of the songs, but yeah. we, we kept some of the same bands in and we added a lot more. Uh, so here we got the frogs. All right, start with the what the, the year. Oh, nineteen seventy-seven. This is uh, the frogs. Uh, Seventy-eight, driving sideways. Uh, wasn't that uh, Paul uh, Case? Paul Case, uh, Dinger, Ryan Quinn's father was in that yes, band. Mike Quinn played drums. Yep, played drums, and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Seventy-eight was Sale. Uh, Seventy-nine, New York Flyers. Eighty-one, Benny Mardonas. He's an honorary central New York. Of course, because yeah. he—I mean—they loved him here. Yeah, they really did, and he loved them. So he actually, I think, lived in Syracuse for a little bit too. Yep. Yeah, he did. 1982. Uh, there's four, or five bands. I often sometimes refer to that as the golden year of some of the classic rock central New York. Central bands. New York bands. 1982. Yep. Can I interrupt for just one second? Because sure. our good friend Genesee Joe, and I'm sorry to everybody that's been posting. I just opened up the the comment line over here on Joe. Facebook. But Joe checks in and says in 1982 began the timeless rock format, which is renamed classic rock. Exactly. Back Joe. in 1982. Yep. Wow. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. What a year. So yeah, yeah five <laughs> five uh, five bands in '82. We got Alex Star, '805, Nightwatch, which was uh, Jerry and Gina Crimmins, yep. and uh, Ricky Z, and uh, Pete and Pete Monzo. Yep, uh, bass. Justice McBride Band. Once again, the Sistais. Todd Hoban, um, Alpha Centauri. Oh, this is '83 now. Starting '83, there's three bands: Alpha Centauri, Night Train, and Zen. Night Train was Sammy Madonia, Mark mm. Wachowski. And a bunch of guys were a good band, too. Uh, Wachowski also had Dillinger, didn't he? Yes. Okay. Uh, 84, we got three bands. Orion the Hunter. Oh, Franny Cosmo. Yep. Uh, Luftwaffe, which was uh, Bobby Acoviva and, and Dave Slife, right? Great rock band. Yep. Uh, wait, wasn't um, Tim Gillis a drummer? Yes. In Luftwaffe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ed. Uh, this is 84, yep. In 1985, we got Roger Wilco and the Radio Waves and Dillinger. And that's 85. Oh, we got two more rolling over to side two, 805 and Benny Mardona's, uh, which 85, that was Christy. That was 805's big hit. Came off a cassette that they put out. Yep. Remember, 805 in 1982, <clears throat> let me just jump in. Sure. They got signed to a national record contract. I was just going to ask. RCA yeah. Records. Uh-huh. And, um, of course, it did great up here in the Northeast. It didn't do so great across the country. And when it came time, I guess you know they had to look at the roster, RCA, and said, "Who we who we keep in? Who we funding for the next album? Sure. And who are we gonna cut loose?" And I think it came down to uh, Mister Mister. 
they kept and they let 805 go. Wow. Oh, wow. But they should have kept them both. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a reason why some of these national... National acts. Um, some of these uh, record labels wouldn't come to the area, or did they come to the area to do some scouting? Boy, Todd Hoban tried so hard. Todd had a, a manager that would take the music to New York, take the music to L.A., take the music everywhere, and you know show uh, the band's performances on uh, video. And that was one band I thought should have got signed. Sure, uh, there are so many artists like that that got signed, and, mm-hmm. and Todd just never really got that bolt of lightning. Um, it's it's tough to say why um, you know it, it was so good for 805 to get signed. Sale got signed to United Artists. Mm. They're on that. Um, yep. They're on. You know, some others came real close. I know uh, I, a guy that I think is one of your sponsors here, Tim Moyer. His band got signed. <laughs> ah, there it is again. Yes. No. I'm, no, you're right. No, we just have to give a shout out because his name did definitely. We didn't even have to wait for it this time. Yeah, it we, just came up. I loved it. I love it. This <laughs> is great. great. Sorry. Throw it out. Sorry. Great, I didn't mean page. that. Yeah, Billy really Page got signed. Yep. yep, I think that was a Sony deal. Sony deal. Yeah, yeah, the Sony deal. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now we got 1986 uh, was Mere Mortals. That's another Bob Acuviva band. Uh, 88, Danny Holmes. Uh, 91 was Taurus. Uh, which was that the three of them that that lineup, or was it all five? It was five of them. Then. Five of yeah. them. Then Finale okay. was playing in there. Finale was playing then too. Yep. So okay. Uh, 1993 blueprints <clears throat> George Devaney those guys yeah 94 bloodline which uh, had Joe Bonamassa in it yes and that was the uh, the sons of the famous rockers uh Barry Oakley jr yep. who's Oakley. now in Almond bats right now yes yep, that's right and then you had miles Davis's son yep. right um and then uh, Sammy Hagar's son and Robbie Krieger's son yes. yep uh and then we got 94 is also red hush uh which they've had a resurgence. Yeah, they're still so going. They're still going. They, they Good for them. put the band back together. I think last year, the year before, and Good for them. you know, and started actually. To be honest with you, they've always been. They've together. always been together. They just you know take hiatuses. I think you know. And I, then, you know, I've had this conversation with Shane before, mm-hmm. and they still have like the original poster from their very first gig. Yeah, like, he's an archivist. He keeps oh, yeah. everything. everything. Yep. Yeah. Now, people might classify me as. A hoarder, but I say I'm a collector. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I thank God I you are. A lot this of is great. Stuff. I keep a lot of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I'm Shane is a great guy. Red Hush. Let's give a out shout out to Rome, New York. Those guys from yep, Rome. Yep, absolutely. Uh, 1996, uh, Vinny and the Butchers. Paul and Oh God, what a band! Legendary. Yeah, Paul, Lenny, and Cremo. Uh, Robbie Cooper. So the, the story on Robbie Cooper was he wasn't from this area, but he came in and he put his roots down here. Oh, yeah? And he, he was part of a Genesis tribute band, may have been Over the Garden Wall. Yep, that's mm-hmm. what it was. And then he came in. I mean, remember them at uh, Captain Trips or Hot Rocks or whatever it was, 2005? <sighs> Great show. Well, do you know who was in Over the Garden Wall, right? Jeff Adam. Jeff Adamant, of yeah, course. Jeff yeah. And we oh, bring his name yep. up a lot, nice. too, because oh, yeah. of Big Blue North. I don't think yep. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, he was in Over the Garden oh. Wall. Yeah, I, I, yeah, phenomenal. I was a big fan of Modus. Oh, yeah. yeah. His band. Oh, my God. Me too. Great. I pushed for them when I first started hanging out there at the studio recording and stuff. I would just be like, so when's the when's the Modus reunion? When, when are you doing it, man? <laughs> and what do you say? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, someday, someday, like this, you know. And, like, I would I would always catch him because I, I'd come around the corner in the studio and i always catch him, like, blasting Modus, like, over the big speakers and just sitting there. And, like, you could tell it's like... You know, he's still into it. He's still wanting, you know, and like, I think they got back together and started recording again. Yeah, they did. You know, which is just awesome. I love that, man. It's just great. It's great. A lot lot of amazing bands in this area. But uh, uh, Mark Macri was 1996. uh, Also, Gridley Page and John Liebing. 
1997, Case and Davidson. 1998, one of Joe uh, Joe Sweet's 8,000 bands that he's had in his lifetime, <laughs> Joe Mama and the Funk Daddy, which I think was one of his most more successful bands. Uh, my favorite song by him was uh, "A Friend Gets Me High, A Friend Gets Me By." I always I, I play it every time I see him. I play it just jam out because it's funny. Good stuff. Uh, 1999, Rattle Basket and yeah. Calypso. Phil Arcuri, yeah, yes. all right. Wow, I yep. forgot about the duo. Yep. yep. And then uh, 2000 with Floating Noah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Floating well, Noah was a fun band. Jimmy Hartnett. A lot yes. of great bands throughout the years. The 90s were, were flooded with bands. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of clubs too. A lot yeah. of places to play. Yeah. yeah. In the nineties I really thought music was gonna was gonna stick in the area because I, I know that like for you guys, like hearing all the stories in the seventies, it's like it's almost like that that time would never end. Like that like that okay, we got the best music there is now. There's there's no going anywhere from here. It's just gonna be music like this for the rest of everybody's yeah. life and just go with it. You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah, you know, having a great time and then, you know, the eighties came and ruined it. And then, uh, and then the '90s came, and it was kind of like, okay, you know, live music started to pick back yeah. up in the area. The bars were, you know, everybody was having fun. And then 2000 came and destroyed that. And then coronavirus. <laughs> like, no, yeah, now, now what? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So you go back to the '90s where it was really vibrant. Well, we had a, a vibrant bunch of radio people that would go oh, yeah. and do a lot of these gigs. So, you know. An old guy like me got to sit back a little bit and catch my breath. So Genesee Joe, Kenny, yep. Z, Allison, uh, the rest of our gang would be out there. T-Bone and T-Bone. Uh, Mick Mullen yeah. and Duke Austin and yeah. those guys. They'd all be out in the clubs, you know, doing all these gigs. Uh, Monday Night Football, doing all the band parties and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd wander in as the old guy like, hey, what's happening? No, we had some it's, fun. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. I heard Genesee Joe on the radio always. And then one day I like walk into the Auburn one night and... And there's a band called Slug playing, and there's, there's Joey Triz with his harmonicas. I'm like, what? I didn't know you played. I had no idea because I never really met him. You know what I mean? And it, like, it was one of those things, another, another, uh, you know, I don't know what, what were we talking about, like fanboy thing. You know what I mean? You hear these guys on the radio all the time, and then you get to meet them, and it's like, dude, I followed you forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's it was one of those things. So, like, I got to see him with Slug, but that's another band, man, that's been around for a long time. You know, so and shout Joe, out to Joey Triz Joe's and been Slug, man. for quite a while. So there was a three volume on the on the CD that you had there. It's two CDs. Two CDs. Oh, yeah. two CDs. It's, it's okay. volume three because okay. there's two albums and then the CD. Copy yep. that. CDs. All right. So you mixed it all together and then you added some of the '90s in there, all the way to 2000. Yeah. Huh. 2000. Uh, yeah. Floating Noah was the 2000. Last one, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hartnett. Shout out Jimmy Hartnett. Jim. They had a they had a good run over there too with Floating Noah. Oh yeah. And they had two. Parts of Floating Noah, the first years with uh, Mike Borgia, mm-hmm. an amazing singer songwriter. Yeah. Borgia's super talented, and then Mike Wagner came onto the scene yep. and uh, just lit the place up. Yeah, he was crazy. He would swing from the rafters. Oh yeah, we played that. a lot of shows with them. Did you? Yeah, back then when Mike Wagner took over and like was in the band, and it was Mike and Jim doing the thing. Uh, we we would play a lot of shows. Like we do we do some double double bill gigs with them, and then there was there was times where. Uh, like we play like where they'd have like five or six bands and we always happened to be like it was either us and then Floating Noah or Floating Noah and then us and so we just we all hung out together like we all just were always hanging out so and then uh, then they broke up and you know this is Showtime yeah yeah so Showtime Showtime started uh, well Jose Joe and I started in 94 but then we had a John Shore in 97 and that's when we became Showtime so that's we've been Showtime for 23 years but uh, the three of us have been together for 26 years. What were you before Showtime? Three Pete. 
Three there were three guys in the band, and we repeated music from the past. So okay. that was that was our name. 13, 14, 15. I mean, yeah. we probably could have come up with a better name. but Man, when the Showtime 25th anniversary comes up, I think that's something that needs to be hosted at the Stanley. Uh, I'm down with that. I, I mean, that's so. I mean, we don't have a lot of time to plan that. There's only only two years now, so you know. I've, but um, yeah, I, would, I mean, we had uh, we had a great 20th anniversary uh, show and concert. We sold out the showroom at the casino, which right. was was really just it was a phenomenal night. And uh, yeah, you had um, everybody come in that was everybody past members. Every Ben a member yeah. of of Showtime that's was nice. there except for Ben. Ben wasn't there because oh, I had to go play over in the Netherlands. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> You know, what's he thinking? What the hell is he thinking? But <laughs> what, something really cool happened with that, though. Um, we actually went to Ben's house, and he had a studio. Uh, Matt Wagner used to uh, engineer over at Castle before it became Big Blue. Engineered the whole thing, and Ben did all the camera work, and we recorded. Um, I'll just show you after. Uh, we recorded uh, "You Found Me" by the Fray, and and he did it all multi-camera views, and we all played. And it sounds like a studio recording, but we we actually had a projection screen on stage, and we and Ben said something nice to the crowd, you know, and then we played the video, and we got it. That's the only break that Joey and I got all night because we're the only two that were have been constant members throughout the years. So <laughs> amazing! You know, but it was just a, it was a phenomenal show. Yeah. What but was your first gig? Very first gig. I remember both of them because I, sh- I should say for Showtime and for Three Pete, we were asked to play a benefit at the Tony R. George Post in Herkimer, and I'm pretty sure it turned into a photography studio after but it was like one of those american legion type things very very small place but it was a benefit and uh i went to shake jose's hand before our very first gig together and we completed the ground and literally were like this <laughs> and to this day we don't shake hands that's funny. on stage but but we played uh we played take it easy we played now this is 1994 so hell is over just come out so we played love will keep us alive which was a brand new song then written by paul carrick from squeeze and nice. all those bands uh we played proud mary and we closed the the set out with stairway to heaven 13 14 and 15 and we did stairway to heaven jose had big index cards link on the floor with the words like this but wow. and i'm sure the guitar lead was perfect Oh, no, I didn't even play the guitar lead. Oh. No way. I was just a rhythm guitar player at the time, but there was only three of us we had to make do. So then uh, I know we got to go. I'm sorry. I'm just, no, I'm like, yeah. wow, this the, goes by fast. It does. This, the, uh, the second, the, the very first Showtime gig we had was at Ilian High School for a semi-formal dance in the gym. And uh, that was the first gig with the four of us. And there's a picture floating around Facebook of, you know, both both bands. I had hair. So it's tough to write. <laughs> I remember uh, one of the times that I saw you, and we had a, actually had a chance to talk for a while about music, and just I got a chance to just sit there and enjoy. Was at the Brew House in East Utica. Oh yeah, and you had, were doing a one man show, mm-hmm. and you had your pedals where you could repeat. Uh, yeah, riffs, I was riffs doing looping stuff. then. You yeah. were looping, and it yeah. sounded like five guys up on stage, and it's just you, but you looped it perfectly, and it was sounded great. And I was amazed just to watch you how you worked that in. <laughs> yeah, like this guy, he's. He's been practicing. He's got, <laughs> he's got this down. Uh, Fun I, days. It's so funny. I, I used to love playing by myself back then, and I I can't stand it now. I get I get so much anxiety when I have to do solo gigs, which there's a lot more of them these days because it's very tough to book the band right now. But the uh, the solo gigs are more more and more now, and I I get so much anxiety with it. Do you now. still do the looping? I mean, Gary Johnson's the he's the key, the king at the yeah. End. I kind of slowed down with the looping, and he kind of took it took it to another level um, because I would I would loop for just for guitar solo purposes because I still wanted to play lead mm-hmm. like that's I'm I, I I love playing lead guitar and so I would I would do like if the second verse was the same chords for the solo I would loop the second verse as I was playing it and so then when I re- went into the solo I just hit the play button after I record it and then 
then do my my guitar lead and then come right back into the song and it was like you know nobody ever knew that i was recording it but i was doing it on the spot so that was kind of like my my looping and, and yes i would do a couple things where i would do like harmony guitar solos and i just add another harmony part on and then do some like spacey stuff i had a delay pedal you know that's great just stuff like that and like he took he took off with it and now yeah. i'm yeah. kind of getting back into it a little bit um and uh and when i i got a i got one of those boss pedals it was like 350 dollars, and it had two pedals on it it was all i needed and i played my first gig with it at uh down in ithaca and it got stolen oh. the first time i used it so now i'm just waiting to get another one but yeah it got stolen that oh, night and so i only used it once it was brand oh, spanking new God. what's your favorite song to play with showtime uh, uh, right now, my favorite. Right now, my favorite song to play with Showtime, and believe it or not, it's not a Toto song. My I, favorite song to play. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, Toto too. My favorite song to play is "Under Pressure" by Queen. Really? Yeah, we do "Under Pressure," and it's uh, it's very, it's something that if I'm having a rough night or if I feel like I'm uncomfortable in any way, it's one of those songs that has always uplifted me because by the time you're done with the song, you're you're breathing heavy because I mean you're just you're grinding that whole last part you're just everything's like bah, bah, you know like it's just it's crushing it you know and uh i, I was so happy that that they decided to do that because i brought that to the band i was like i really want to do under pressure i think we could we could really do do it justice nice you know so yeah jerry does the the freddie mercury parts and i do the bowie parts so works out Great tune. Yeah, definitely. Great tune. Doc, you are a walking musical information Oh, my highway. God, I could sit here all night. I'm glad right? we had a chance to share some of this because sometimes I think, well, it's, you know, it's so far back, I don't know if a lot of people want to even hear about it anymore. Well, him and I want to oh, hear yeah. about it. Yeah, I don't they, care about they, everybody else. Yeah, we, we literally <laughs> brought you in here and decided to turn the cameras on for our own personal right, exactly. entertainment. Exactly. Well, there's a lot to talk about, uh, you know, between... Joe and Tom Starr and myself and Allison, you know, you know, you were there, Z and Justin. You came in a little bit later on. Yeah, it was just such a magical time for us to just get mm-hmm. together. The brotherhood of the musicians, the sure. radio people, <clears throat> the club owners, the fans coming out to have a good time watching the bands and enjoying the music. Yep. it really was a, a real fun experience. I mean, yeah. one I'll remember forever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hey, but they could catch you on Sunday afternoons, right? Doing I the do recovery Sunday room? mornings, 9 to 12. Thank you for uh, reminding me to, to, to plug that. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the recovery room, the recovery. after a busy it. Friday and Saturday night, you can recover with some great tunes. 9 to 12 on 92.7 FM, The Drive, where Genesee Joe is probably watching us while he's doing his radio show right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do a lot of different things. This past week we did... Hit song and then album track from the same band, Double Shots. We did the, the week before. Oh, very cool. All songs with names in them. Yeah. So it's all three hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like then sometimes, the old days. sometimes there'll be no theme, and then other times there will be a theme. Uh, we, we do a lot of different things with the, the radio show. We have a lot of fun. The Recovery Room Radio Show, we're also on Facebook. That's awesome. Great. Awesome. And we cool. talk about the old concerts and we talk about what's happening with today's uh, sports scores from last night so we keep it kind of topical but then you know the music's all basically 70s 80s some 60s some 90s going back into memory lane yeah, yeah. and uh, it's good because sometimes you know how it is music triggers a memory oh for sure Your song is like oh, i remember when the guys from tommy two-tone came up to the studio and we talked to them and there's nobody in the band named tommy two-tone <laughs> and, uh, you find that out when you say uh there's a tom in the band are you tommy two-tone yeah that's the nickname i got way back but my real name was tommy something else tom something so you know you, you trigger memories like that about yeah. the shows at the casabogie and the four acres and the clubs uh the stanley theater and the theaters and the utica and taking road trips to the carrier dome to go see pink floyd and stuff yeah. like that oh great and hopefully we could get back to all that 
yeah. hopefully soon. Yeah, I would I feel, love that. feel like it's coming, right? I, I feel like it's coming, but I also feel like when it does finally come back, I think people are going to be out there supporting more so. Uh, yeah, than they ever were. Yeah, I would. I would hope so. I, and it's. I mean, because I think that, that we all did as performers and as and 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 the audience members. I think that we all got to the point where we were almost taking it for granted. You know what we had and what we. You know what I mean. It's like all. Oh, you know, well, I can go see Gridley Page or Showtime next week at such and such a place. You know, I'm just going to stick home now. I'm going to stay by the fire. You know, this and that. And I think now it's like. Man, I haven't seen these guys play in so long. I can't wait to, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I think it's gonna, it, it helps us as the artists and performers, and it helps the audience members as well, just like regain that sort of sense of normalcy. Right. But, you know, hopefully we'll see that sooner than later. Hopefully. We got to give a shout out to Linda, too. Linda was checking in. Hey, Linda. Hey. Saying hello to all of us. She hey. says Kevin Cronin's her birthday twin. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. It, talking about the Ario <laughs> earlier in, yep. the, in the podcast. And That's awesome. Shout out to Linda. I miss you very much, Linda. Yeah. And hopefully, we can get back to doing some rocking and rolling at the Stanley pretty soon. I yeah. hope. Uh, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that one. Another oh, Stanley yeah. memory. Too. How about an Eddie Money show? And then he brought up an unknown band first time away from their home in New Jersey that came up in their van to open up for them. Maybe you heard of these guys, Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So bon Jovi played in Utica a couple times. Couple times. They did Utica yeah. Odd. Yeah. And then they did Stanley. Uh, they opened up for Eddie Money. Eddie's got, he still remembers a ton of stories to say, yeah, those guys, they're up and coming. You know, hey, I remember those days. So uh, backstage, I gave them my plate of uh, cold cuts so they could have some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we got to open up for Eddie uh, at uh, the Bogey. At the bogey? Oh, yeah, the bogey, yeah. We opened up for Eddie Money. And uh, we were so excited. I'm like, yeah, we get to meet the money man. And, like, not once did he come out of his bus. He wow. was in his bus the entire time we were playing. Uh, I, there's a member of the band. I won't give the name out on, on the air, but there was a member of the band that Eddie Money's daughter was had the hots for. And all. And you can't guess which member of the band it was because we all had girlfriends at the time. But he would not. Like, she was hitting on him hardcore, and, and he would not do it. You know, he was like, nope, I got a girlfriend, I got a girlfriend. We would, we just broke broke his balls for the rest of the time. Like, dude, come on, man, it's anybody's daughter, man, come on. <laughs> you know, so, like, you know. But that's that a was, good man right there, Jess, yeah. Jess, Jess Money, was that her name? She yeah. came up for an interview Jess with Jess Money, Eddie, yep. And she sang with him on stage that night. Yes. She, she was great. She I was thought, incredible, I yeah. thought she was going to actually move on and record and do her own thing but i haven't heard much about she chose to stay behind with her father like like it was like kind of to help to be there for him because as he got older and stuff i mean like as he got older he lost his voice obviously like Mm -hmm. a lot of the older guys do uh bobby kimball from toto can't sing a note anymore um which is it's the saddest thing in the world but i mean even at the bogey that night we played it was like 2000 five i think or something like that and he was you know i got the crowd would go two tickets to paradise won't you pack your bags and i've got and like like the crowd yeah. was singing just about every word of every song but mm-hmm. but it's, i mean it's any money so the crowd's like ah, you know I mean, they, they didn't care i mean he was it's, he was a cool dude man sad to see i heard uh david coverdale from white snake had a similar audience experience when he was at the amphitheater last year a lot of people went like go see white snake and yeah. said, he didn't sing he held the mic out held the mic out yeah, yeah. Yep. he would talk to the crowd and then when it came time to sing i feel bad because yeah. these guys you know they i'm sure they want to sing and they sure. want to knock it out of the ballpark but then you got a guy like tommy shaw from sticks oh, who is great. like seven thousand years old and sings like he's 20 right i mean Bruce dickinson's another one yeah maiden and, and he's still jeffrey tate from Queensryche. yeah there's a bunch of them still oh. doing it, but then, of course, you do have the older ones that don't take care of themselves. All right. And that's part of the reason why they can't sing anymore. Yep, exactly. And then you got Mick Jagger, who denies all f- forms of uh, of 
science and says, hey, I'm still singing. I've been singing 50 years, and I still sound the same. Paul McCartney, yeah. too. McCartney yeah, was yeah. great at the Dome. Right. Three hours without taking a break. At and 75 yeah. years old. Great. Right. Yeah. Didn't even take a sip of water. Right. We're watching him on the big screen at the Dome. Playing. This guy is, like, unbelievable. Yeah, he's a machine. Yeah. And right. he was interacting with the crowd, having a good time. Well, let's be real now. That's not Paul McCartney. Oh, Paul's no. dead. It's a, it's a, what do they right? call that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was the that was the thing, right? You know, Paul. Oh, Paul, the, back, Paul. Yeah, Paul's dead, and Paul like it's dead. there's that. Yeah, there's that. Play it backwards, backwards right? But there's that there's that thing that there's like they have a, they, that Paul actually died yeah. in a car accident or something like yeah. that, and there's a, a, a double. stunt double. Maybe it was a hologram. That was what I was thinking of the word. The yeah, hologram. right. The hologram. Yeah, it's going to be the next that. wave. That's a huge like, conspiracy Orbison. theory, though. They called us when I was at the Stanley. They said we want to book this concert. Um, it's a uh, a hologram concert of Roy Orbison. I said, how does that work? Yeah. He said, well, it's like a big movie screen, and we got band up there, and then he's kind of appearing in the movie screen with the band. Really? Have you tried this before? People are buying tickets to this? And I guess they tried it, but I don't know if it got off the ground or not. There's a Ronnie James Dio hologram out there, too. There is, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty creepy to see it. And go you could search it on YouTube. Oh yeah. What is it just like footage. a song or a concert or what is it? He had a whole look like five or six songs. So they did this thing called the Disciples of Dio. And he had his backup band, like the guys that used to play with him, you know, I uh, minus the the big guitar player, Vivian Campbell. Vivian Campbell wasn't with him. But, yeah, he's toured with Def Leppard. Right. And and he would uh they would play a song and Tim the Ripper Owens would play a couple songs and he'd you know, shuffle out, and then they'd have this Ronnie James Dio hologram out there doing his thing, and it's a little eerie, a little yeah. creepy, but it's still kind of cool. I think that's the way it's going to start shifting a little bit. Like, I could see Vegas being a hologram town. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, like a lot the of these, Legends of Rock. The Legends of yeah. Rock, yeah. Michael Jackson or Elvis or yeah, any John of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that Fran Cosmo's on, like, the last ever Legends of Rock tour that's going to be, because all those guys are so old. I mean, Fran sings better than everybody that's on that tour. So right. You mentioned Bobby <laughs> you know, Kimball. Wasn't he out on that Bobby Kimball was out on that tour, but if you YouTube him now, I mean, it's, it's sad, man. It's yeah. just, it, it, you can't even laugh at it because, you know, and, and then, like, YouTube and social media is so bad right now that it's, on YouTube, people are commenting on this YouTube ooh, video of him singing ooh. about, oh, my God, you should just know when to give up, blah, 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 blah. Uh, All of a sudden, you assholes. see Bobby Kimball come on himself and write, guys, I apologize so much. I was having trouble with my monitors. That day. And then he starts trying to give it excuses. And, and then people are yelling at him, don't stop giving excuses. You know, you can't hear. You can't sing. You know, they're, they're just tearing him right apart. And here's a guy pleading for people like, to, I'm so sorry. You know, yeah. I'll work on it. I, you know, I'm, I'm taking vocal lessons again. And, blah, blah, you know, like, and he's actually like, and it's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. It is it heartbreaking. Is. It's time marches on. You get mm-hmm. to see guys like Lou Graham at the time, one of the greatest voices yeah. of rock. Yeah. And then he kind of walked away from it after a while because it just he just wasn't able to hit the notes. Right. Yeah. Alpha Centauri uh, keyboardist Andy Knoll was playing in Lou's backup band out in Rochester. Oh, wow. Central New York Connection. Yeah, sure. Love sure. It. I love it. Yeah, the guys from Hard Promises in Syracuse backed up Benny Mardona's every time he came in. Yeah, and it was the Hurricanes for a while mm-hmm. they called themselves. Yep. Benny Great band. And the Hurricanes. Th- those guys are uh, right up there. They rival with Showtime as some of the best harmonizing bands. <laughs> Sometime down the road, 20, 30 years ago, they say, hey, you remember Showtime? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're a great bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah that was, them and they were we've been fantastic. desperately trying to be, like, COVID hit and it kind of ruined everything, but we're trying to get a double bill that Showtime and Hard Promises can do together because we're all friends. And we used to play, awesome. we opened up for, not open up, but we had a triple bill at the showroom at the casino with Kane, which was what Hard Promises was, was before. Mm-hmm. And then they turned into Hard Promises. But we all, so we all know those guys. And like, I'm friends with Kevin, the guitar player. We work on guitars together and stuff. It's fun. But uh, 
but they're they're incredible, man. And like, great band. Oh, it's, it'd be great to get the two of us together. So it's a lot different now with original music and recordings. Like back in the day, you wanted to get some original music yeah. from some of those bands. Why isn't it something that's more prominent these days with local bands and stuff? I think I think well, at least in our area anyway, in Utica. I mean, I, I guess as a songwriter, you're so like critical of yourself and like it, you're taking when you write music at least when I when I write I put everything that I am into what I write and you're nervous enough to put it out there you know and I guess that like like for me this I mean I, I can't speak for everybody else but for me like in like Utica does not like the 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 masses in Utica don't uh, um really latch on to original music they want to hear music that they know right so when you're up on stage playing and we tried it both ways. We've we tried. Uh, this is a song that we wrote, an original song or whatever. And you start seeing five, then ten, then twenty-five, and then, oh, before you know it, the dance the dance floor is clear. Mm. Everybody's bellied up to the bar and talking, and you're playing a song that you poured your heart and soul into. And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They just want to hear something they know, right. you know. And we've right. even tried just mixing it into the set without announcing it, and the same thing happens. They don't recognize the song, so that oh, time to get a beer, time to go, you know, take a piss break, you know, like that. And that's like you know, and it's not their fault. It's not the area's fault. It's just how this area is right now. It's like yeah. people want to hear music that they know. And, you know, so, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of people like uh, Trampoline Jetstream that are doing a lot um, with the online thing. Like, they're, they, that's all they're doing is writing music, you know, mm-hmm. these guys. And I'm, I'm so glad to see another generation, like, the, below me that's that's actually writing. and doing it. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. And actually trying to, to, to take it forward. And But with, uh, with Twitch and Facebook and YouTube you're able to get your original music out to the world rather than being like how we were with CDs and passing them out to people in Utica and hoping people would listen, you know? Mm-hmm. You think so. of guys like John Liebing, who's been doing solo stuff, recording for a long time now. The last disc that came out was great, and you got him doing your theme song here. Yeah. Yep. You know, John's, he's a one of a kind. He's just, he really is. He's another one that should have made it. He's hes a gem. Yep. Uh, but he still works at it, and he's... Proud of his originals, you know. We, Absolutely, we, just, we played the summer song on the drive. It's the title from the new CD and stuff. It's great. You know, John is just so talented. Did you ever think of like doing your own solo album? I did. I did a five the five song EP album that I did in two thousand seven. I think you played a couple songs off of it. Like I said, before. you know, my memory's a little bit shot these right. days. Uh... But I, I, do I want to do another one? Absolutely, because I mean, I literally well, that's only fifteen have... years ago. That's why. Yeah, yeah I, right. I literally only have five songs. I mean, I've written way more, and like we did a whole full length Showtime album yep. when Rocky was in the band. Yep. So it was, uh, um, you know, and the songs are okay. I mean, they're very dated. So like, I'd like to write something. Like, I was so worried about like playing something that was pop oriented and like trying to get. To the listener, like the newer like kids to listen to it and stuff, and now I don't give a shit about that anymore. So yeah. I'm like, I just want to do like like what I feel in my heart. Yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna write whatever I feel and with your little boy. Yep. You know, and I mean, it, it, and if you like it, you'd like it. If you don't, then yeah, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I'm writing it for myself, and do it's it not gonna cost you. me anything because I'm gonna do it in my house. Yep, feed that creative soul of yours. But, yeah, I would like to hear original music from the local bands. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, sure. Trampoline Jetstream, man. It's like it's it's like their own genre of music. It's like they're not even you can't even pick a genre that they would be in it's like this song sounds like this this song sounds like this this song's world this song's this this you know what i mean it's like cool oh my god they're so all cool. over the place oh yeah they are great band Love and those they kids. play every day they just literally go and jam every day with every each other day. it's like yep. it's crazy yeah they're out there yep love it but we got to do a part two man 
Yes, we should. We got to dig up some more stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, thanks for hanging out, Thank man. You. I'll bring some old ticket stubs and we'll look at the prices of concerts back in the day. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't I mean, want to cry. Back in the day, you're doing like $9 concerts. Not even. Yeah. Not even. 96 cent concerts <laughs> yeah. right yeah. back then, yes. too. Oof. Yeah, Amazing. Some tickets, I think, were like five, six, seven bucks Oof. for Boston at the Utica. I'm like, what? Right. Really? How'd they make money back then? Yeah. Volume. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And they were also making money off the records that they yes, sold, too, back that's then. That's true. Yeah. Which yeah, now you don't make anything. making money, and distributors are making money. Yeah, now the artists aren't making any money, and the CEO of uh, Spotify, of Spotify is a billionaire. Right. Ridiculous. <laughs> Literally stole money from every artist that is on Spotify. No doubt. And it's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. It's on the way the music industry has shifted. It's. It's a shame. I mean, the artists are the ones that get in the yep. shaft. They've, it seems like the artists have always gotten the shaft, yep. but it's even more so now than ever. And they say the big tours are where the money's at, yep. and oh, the, yeah. the big promoters are grabbing the money from the tours, and then they're just paying the bands. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're, here's your salary, come out on tour for the summer. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, the big promoters, the live nations are grabbing, you know, the big classic rock bands and locking them up. Mm-hmm. So when other promoters try to get them, sorry, yeah. they're all locked up. They're yep. the AG, live nation, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Man, well, you know, coronavirus has kind of evened the playing field a little bit now, oh, yeah. right? Unfortunately. Well, they're not going to be able to come back and charge, you know, $120 a ticket anymore, I'll tell right. you that, because it's just, you know, it can't happen anymore. What if, what if they said, we're going to do a concert, but you got to be s- socially distanced, and instead of having 5,000 people outside, we're only going to have 1,000, but the ticket's going to be 150 bucks. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. We'll see. Yeah, who knows? I'm, I'm I mean, just trying to think. How are they going to? I just, I don't, I mean, I don't see personally. I just, I don't see the social distancing thing lasting for the rest of our lives. No, I think, I mean, no. it's just a, a like no, once have that the vaccine, hap- right? You'll be able to protect yeah. yourselves. Yeah. Please come back soon. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you too, Doc. Please come back yeah, again. Please. Let's do this again. Let's All right. do another we'll do volume. Again, but what else we got to get? A little golf in. Get, oh, yes, yeah. definitely got to get some Absolutely. golf in, and then. Uh, you you headed back down to Florida soon? I'll be back down, uh, probably Decemberish. Decemberish? Yeah, you know I had I'd come down to visit. You. I had a, yeah, I'd had love a to come down. Great experience working for spring training for the New York Mets. My Your team. dream job? Yeah, huh? that's so cool. <laughs> How I landed into that was just uh, I got a great job uh, while the games were on for half of the sixteen game season for spring training. Then they shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I I lucked out. They did a Big renovation of the field down in Port St. Lucie, $50 million complex renovation. I walked in, said, uh, any uh, opportunities are you hiring? They said, come on back, fill out an application. They called me in. They said, we got this, we got this. Or you could work with the media behind home plate, walk the umpires back and forth, the photographers back and forth, check passes of the media, and hang out back there and make sure you know none, no unauthorized people are roaming around in the complex. <clears throat> And I said, where is it? And they said, right behind home plate. But I'll take that job. <laughs> yeah, right. What a great job. Now you had a fanboy there a little bit, right? Well, <laughs> well, here, here comes uh, Dwight Gooden and David Wright oh, and yeah. Eddie Cranepool and Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling. But they told me on the way in, none of that. No autographs. Yeah. Right. No yeah, photos. Yeah, no 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 fraternizing. Jumping, jumping in the dugout to take selfies. <laughs> <laughs> you should do that the last day. I, I like, stuck when you a few you're in. There, I got yeah. a few in. Yeah. <laughs> I actually talked to Dwight Gooden. I said, you were in Utica last year, January, for a card show. Mm-hmm. I said, I got to talk to you there. We had some uh, yeah. some pictures and stuff. He says, I remember coming up to Utica because it was so cold yeah. in January. He did a couple uh, games in Little Falls when with the Little Falls Mets. He's a nice guy. Yeah. 
Nice guy. Right on. It's great. <laughs> they got new owners though. now. Great gig for you, though. Yeah, it was a great gig. And it's we're like... going to see if the new owner starts spending some money buying some players. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what happens. Well, hopefully baseball gets back to full swing again. I, I haven't even watched any baseball this year. How about no. hockey? Watch any hockey? Well, tonight, actually, is game six. Yeah. Right? Is it game six tonight? Yeah. The Tampa and Dallas. Yeah. And then is anybody even watching the NBA? I know I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> And I, I, it's tough to watch football with the Giants going zero and three. Yeah, it's tough to watch. Bills are three and zero. Yes, it's Bills are three and zero. I mean, I'm happy for Buffalo fans. They, My bro- you know, I have a brother in Buffalo. Time. Give them something to cheer about. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, especially this fan base. I mean, you know, but the Bills Mafia man is where it's at. I'm yeah. telling you right now. They paid money to get a, a plane to fly over with a, a, a congratulations. You know, we're still pulling for you. Let's go, Bills. Right, yeah. <laughs> they did. Did they really? They did. The, I didn't the, see the, that. The, mafia the Bills bought. Mafia, yeah. yeah. It's like $5,000. They all chipped in. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's funny. So that they're 3-0? and They are 3-0. They're and going all the way. Good stuff. The Jets and Giants aren't going to do it, that's for no. sure. <laughs> no. Not so far. Definitely not. Doc, good hang. Let's let's plan another one. Before you go down to Port St. Lucie, we can, there's so much. I wouldn't mean, even scratch mm. the surface, but thank definitely you. got to. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Justin. you for everything. Absolutely. You're a gem in this community, Doc. So well, And thanks. check out the recovery room Sunday mornings. Sunday morning. 9 a.m.? 9 till 12. 9 to 12. 92.7 The Drive. Shout out to Gen C. Joe, too. He's doing a great job hey, programming Joe, that station. Yeah. He's doing a Dare great job. to be different. Yep. Yep. He's doing very, very well. Shout out to EJA Moving Services, Attorney Dave Longaretta, Utica Coffee, and Saranac Brewery. If not for our sponsors, this podcast is not possible. Thank you so much. Justin, where are you playing this weekend? Uh, you got any gigs this weekend? Yes, Thursday. I'm playing uh, Babes for their Oktoberfest from 6 to 9. Cool. And uh, then Friday... Uh, Showtime Trio will be at Fratello's in Frankfurt. Cool. They're a wedding on Saturday, so awesome. you don't need to know about that. <laughs> right on. I'll be back on Wednesday with uh, drummer Mitch Eckler from The Old oh, Man. Yeah. He's All right. coming on to chop it up. I love Mitch, man. Mitch. How much is high, definitely. Good guy. All right, yeah. Mitch. Good guy, for sure. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Later. Peace. Thanks.